0: Welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that normally explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany.
1: I'm
2: Chris. And I'm Aaron McCall. I'm back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we are doing a special episode on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker.
1: And we brought back Aaron from who joined us when we talked about Spider Man Into the Spider Verse.
2: Yeah, I am back in the Geek Cave, you guys. It's amazing. They have a new warp core in the corner, which is like (laughs) intense. I'm loving it. It's super cool. Great design.
0: And he's also back by popular demand because several people told me, they're like, Are you going to have your friend back on? And I was like, Yes. Glad to hear those checks
2: cleared.
1: Well, before we get started, we, we've we talked about Star Wars a lot on this podcast, but can you let the listeners know a bit about your... Uh,
0: like when, when you... background with Star Wars? Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, so yeah, I was the little kid who my mom exposed me to Star Wars because she wanted to show it to us before it came out in theaters again when it was remastered. Mm. And so I became obsessed. I was like making costumes out of household objects for me and my brother. So like <laughs> if you look at um, A New Hope, Luke Skywalker has those kind of like boots with gauzy legs. So I broke into the med kit, like our medical <laughs> kit and like was wrapping, you know, medical Bandages around mm-hmm. my leg. Han Solo had like little red dots up and down his pant leg, so mm-hmm. we used construction paper and I individually taped each dot to my brother's church pants. Um, I've awesome. just loved Star Wars my whole life. Growing up, it's been such a fun franchise. It's really cool. It really helped shape my ideas about heroes. And as I got to grow, I got to learn more about Carrie Fisher through her writing and stuff like that. That's been so inspiring to me. So like, I just it's it is a wonderful franchise that you can see a lot of good in you know like it it, sometimes it reminds me of darth vader where it's like no this Mm -hmm. this this franchise is really bad and you're like no No. there's good in him i see i I can feel it (laughs) i I know there's good in this franchise
1: and so you enjoy it um and i love it to death that is the best analogy for star wars i've ever heard in my life that's so good So we wanted to kind of start off with kind of narrative beats, the general story that they were telling here. What'd y'all think about the story of The Rise of Skywalker?
2: So like the thing is, is that unfortunately we now live in this world where movies are no longer just stories within their own selves. Mm. They're now these parts of these like multinational corporation and these, Mm -hmm. these contracts that are being done. So like this movie story faced trouble because there was not one director throughout the the trilogy and those directors whether they want to acknowledge it or not felt like there was conflict between the vision that they had for Mm. the stories and so this movie i felt actually would have benefited to have been two movies instead to try to really actually tell the stories but because it was like this one part of the story that was trying to undo the last Jedi and this other part of the story that's been trying to wrap up this franchise. And then it's all crammed together in two hours. It just felt like overwhelming and things were being thrown at you and then taken away and then thrown back. And it was like, okay, like we're going to just ride with this. So like, as far as like a, a story, it had a lot that it had to accomplish. So I give it a little bit more grace, like knowing what's happening in the outside world. Mm. But if you're just like, watching this movie, you'd be confused.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, I don't give it grace, because I'm like, you don't need to tell whatever story you originally wanted to tell. Like, build off of what happened in the last movie, don't force this and make it happen, even though it doesn't make sense. And that's what J.J. Abrams did, in my opinion. They rushed so much, they just threw in these new elements uh, yeah there were there were a few things that i wanted out of this movie and it failed on all of those <laughs> fronts i wanted ray to not be related to anybody who was anyone i think that in the last jedi to me was meaningful and powerful that her parents That they had just abandoned her, you know? And that from that, she happened to be able to utilize the force and make better choices, right? And then to be like, the only reason she's like so powerful is her grandfather is powerful. Instead of it just being about her. Like if you don't know who her parents are, anything, it's about her. It's about her journey, her strength. But now it's positioned in terms of a man, and that somehow he didn't die when the second Death Star exploded. Like, it just felt so contrived and not the story that, to me, would be meaningful and that I think that Star Wars should have told.
1: Yeah, there's, there's two things I want to talk about there. One is bringing back Sidious, which I'm, I think, much more positive on than most. I think that if you're looking at this as the end of the nine movie saga, I can understand bringing Sidious back. Like most of the things I think about this movie, where I feel like I'm probably, again, more positive than most likely either of you will be, uh, I also see how each or most of these things are things that I think still should have been done better. I don't see them as failures like you may have, but I also don't see them as the way that I think they, they could have been accomplished. And I think Sidious is a really good example of that, where I think bringing him back and having him be a, a villain that kind of ties together the larger arcs of this saga can make sense. But as Aaron was talking about, this idea of trying to cram so much into this one movie, they weren't able to actually establish him as a villain for, in particular, this this last trilogy.
2: I agree with Chris on JJ's directorial style. So, like, here's the deal: I get it from I want to hear new stories and all the rest of this. And like, Rian Johnson did something really interesting and new, which I like. New is good. I feel like JJ Abrams has said that how much he loves Star Wars, and I feel like his his love of Star Wars comes through in The Force Awakens, and also does come through in The Rise of Skywalker, where mm. if you're telling this whole narrative arc, this whole Skywalker saga, Palpatine actually really does make a lot of sense because Palpatine is at the start of the Skywalker saga and is like the driving force behind the Skywalker saga.
0: A big problem for me is like, it's, it's making the return of the Jedi less significant. It, It doesn't feel the same way to watch those movies anymore. And yeah, be imaginative, like do new things, do interesting things. And I felt like, Like if you want to build into the Palpatine and the the force dyad whatever that is story which is the only real story that mattered at the end of the day for this movie the other characters don't even need to be there.
2: This movie did give me something that I wanted so like you had your list of what you wanted and something that I really wanted which was not in the last Jedi was the trio interaction so like I think Mm. that like a lot of a lot of movies have their trios, whether that's like Ron, Harry, and Hermione, or Spock, Kirk, and Bones. However, in The Last Jedi, there is not that trio, right? Like they send Rey off to go to Jedi training, Poe is driving the other B-plot story, and then we send Finn and uh, Rose off on this C-plot story that has no effect on the story whatsoever. Everything they do gets undone and it's but seen as also an afterthought
0: very uh empire strikes back luke goes off and he's in his own storyline but for... han and
2: leia are still a part of a storyline together right and so that's yeah. where they're building that relationship as part of that trio and there is of course the like separation that's going on but then it's rewarded by them working on an adventure together also the difference is is that the trio doesn't get to work together in The Force Awakens, so it's a little different. So like for me, I was like, hey, I want this trio and we got a lot of that trio interaction. Yeah,
0: but on a treasure hunt that doesn't even make any sense. Like Sith would not leave things on these weird little things that somehow they left in part of the Death Star even though it exploded. Like what
1: I mean, yeah, they they certainly had a Lara Croft esque like treasure hunt take up a good third of the film, which for me, was was fun Star Wars, and I think goes back to what you were talking about, Aaron, with this kind of two-movies idea. That would have made a lot of sense in a first or second episode in a trilogy, but having it be the first part of this finale movie definitely felt kind of disjointed, because we were constantly reminded that we've got 18 hours, and yet we're going on this huge chase, and the set pieces are interesting, but not tied to any of the character development or narrative that we're getting, and so it does feel like, again, they could have done a lot more with what they were trying to do. One of the other narrative aspects that you brought up earlier, though, Brittany, was This idea of, you know, not only Rey being nobody or her parents being nobody from The Last Jedi, but also this idea of how the Sith and the Jedi have failed in certain ways and that Mm -hmm. there are these ideas of moving past that. And J.J. Abrams, as a huge Star Wars fan he goes back to, no, we need to reestablish the Jedi, right? And we need to reestablish the Sith. Like, these are the two opposing forces again. And that's probably my biggest missed opportunity in the film is that, Mm -hmm. you know, I would have loved to have seen, if you're looking at this as a whole saga, the prequels be about the failure of the Jedi. The original trilogy being about this battle between the idea of the Jedi and the remnants of the Sith, and then the new trilogy being about kind of what comes after that and moving forward yeah. from that and building on that and building into a, a new world instead of just kind of rebuilding the old one. And I wish exactly. we had, had to more of
0: actually that. get balance, right? Balance isn't just having the same amount of people on each side. You don't need either the Sith or the Jedi, like learn from both and do right things with those powers you know Mm. and yeah that's something that I really wanted to see them just move past this the most hilarious quote Only Sith work in absolute. So I was like, that's an absolute (laughs) statement you just made, Jedi. Like, what are you saying? It's just, yeah, reinforcing that dichotomy.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I saw that. Because, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the movie, Ray buries the lightsabers of General Leia and Luke. Which, that was such a waste because Leia's lightsaber is so freaking cool. It's very cool. <laughs> I mean, it's rose gold. Like, she has so much class. Yeah, but she buries that, and then she kind of has her own lightsaber. She It's yellow. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's it's built from her little staff thing. The thing about Rian's interpretation of, like, we have to get rid of, like, the Jedi and the Jedi texts and stuff like that. I thought was interesting, and I probably would have been a little bit more interested in that story if it didn't have to come at the cost of Luke and his narrative arc. I felt like it was like really jarring, and you know, Mark Hamill has kind of like said in interviews that it was very jarring to him. It would almost been like more interesting if they kind of had explained that as like depression. You know what I'm saying? Or like you know, like it it kind of was just like yeah, he's away on an island, and he's like kind of hiding away from it. he's disillusioned with the Jedi. And I think because Rain was trying to like charge through and be like, we need to get rid of the Jedi. We need to like change all this stuff. And there's like neutrality. Like let's, let's take some from the good. Let's take from some from the bad. I can tell you, you can't really take that much from the bad and keep it as good. I'm not saying like, I don't think the Jedi, like you can watch the Clone Wars cartoons and everything like that. The Jedi are messed up and they're not even really that good. Mm. <laughs> like they're self-righteous, <laughs> I think is more accurate. But I do feel like Ray is bringing forth a change cuz she's she is narratively choosing a new lightsaber that is not a thing that like we've seen most of them stick with blue and green. She does take the name Skywalker because I think Palpatine <laughs> is like some bad PR. So you're like, "Yeah, I'm opening the Jedi the Skywalker School of Jedi because <laughs> I don't know if you want to have the Palpatine School, but I don't know. I just I do get the idea of wanting to to throw things away, but I just don't know if like
0: But this I don't think it's throw things it. away, right? It's it's learned from all of your sources instead of villainizing one side and how they do things, But if one right? side
2: is the genocide
0: side, what's there to learn from? But I don't think, like, in the Star Wars universe, it's Sith aren't just the genocide side, right? But they so are, right? Like, there's only two The Sith. dark
1: side isn't just the genocide side. The Sith or, sorry, might be, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the Fair dark enough. side is Fair enough. I'll,
0: yeah, I'll give yeah. you that. I, I misspoke that. I mean, the dark side and the light side, right? I don't. It doesn't need to be that sort of dichotomy. In a way that obviously did not serve the Jedi and Clilla they haven't learned anything. <laughs>
2: yeah, but I guess it. I would say is the reason why the Jedi didn't learn anything to me is I don't know if it was necessarily like light side, dark side problems. I think it was kind of almost like when you get on a new diet and you go over the top with it, and you're like, okay, I have to like track every single thing. Like the like don't serve, don't get attachments thing, right? Like cool, like you know we all die, and like don't get too attached to something doesn't mean, like, hey, don't get married, don't fall in love. Some people need to, like, get married and have partners or else they become murderers. So, like, don't let that happen. <laughs> okay, that's, that's not the takeaway. <laughs> that was my takeaway. Like, if <laughs> you don't let someone marry Natalie Portman, they can become, like, a workplace hazard. That that was what <laughs> okay. I <took> away. <laughs> a workplace hazard.
1: <laughs> but I, I also think that the Jedi, it's not just taking these precepts to the extreme, it's also doing things that are itself hypocritical to that. This idea of, we are harbors of democracy, and yet these systems, even admittedly being manipulated, but these systems that want to become independent, we will go to war against them and be generals against them, because that is a threat to our idea of democracy, even though you could argue it's much more democratic. And so there are these, I think, other ways that the Jedi, as an establishment and as a belief system, has failed, and oh, yeah. I think that learning from those lessons, like Brittany was saying, is a really cool idea that I would have liked to see more of.
0: That's just what—that's what I wanted, yeah. <laughs> but I guess <laughs> they I, didn't. Yeah. No,
2: I don't know. I just didn't even like Rian Johnson's like.
1: Well, this is not a Last Jedi podcast. That's true. <laughs> uh, it, that's,
2: what this movie, that's what makes me sad about this movie, is because of the way how this movie is a multinational conglomerate thing and there were multiple directors and those directors were clearly opposed, the portrayal like we can actually get into the representation part, I guess, right here. Yeah. Right. It was like in The Last Jedi. Finn is minimized as a character and then there is this creation of Rose, which I think Rose was a great addition, right? But then because there was so much backlash to the creation of Rose, the studios decreased her role in this movie to being like an extra that talks, which is really yeah, awful for Lo and Tran, right? You know, what yeah. I mean, because it, it basically said that, hey abuse works you know what I'm saying exactly. like abuse. it's
0: like we will cater to the trolls yeah yeah
2: exactly yeah. so and the thing is is that you kind of see like J.J. Abrams once again like Finn is one of my favorite characters he means a lot to me so it was great to see J.J. Abrams go to bat for Finn but because he didn't create Rose in a way he didn't go to bat for Rose you could see these directors, they were fighting each other in their dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but see, that's where, coming, you know, for narrative's sake, you don't just fight each other. To, to create a more cohesive narrative, you have to build on what just came before. And I think also, J.J. Abrams just added in these things that are just like, what? The fact that Force ghosts can levitate x-wings out of the ocean means why is any person who's not a force ghost fighting at all just have people who have absolutely no stakes at all just go and destroy all the star destroyers which apparently now can destroy planets so it's just like adding in all these things so like to get the plot where they wanted it rather than because it makes narrative sense that's how I felt about it
2: the Star Destroyer thing is weird not gonna lie that was I was like oh wow like at <laughs> first I was like kind of like in awe and like kind of excited about like all the Star Destroyers because I thought there were 20 of them and then they're like and they have laser cannons that can destroy everyone I was like that's a lot and then like one of my friends brought up they're like okay but like where did they even get all the people on the ships think about it like if you have like millions of these ships was there like a recruitment drive like come on down and recruit to the Death Star Mm -hmm. like Death Mm -hmm. Star Part 20 or whatever like you (laughs) can remember like it just that didn't really make a lot of sense. But Force Ghosts have been expanding as the story has expanded. Yoda Force Ghosts literally used lightning to, like, light a tree on fire. Oh, well, yeah. We've seen that sure, they can do these things. but then things. it
0: creates problems because it's just Yoda, Luke, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon just need to show up and destroy the Emperor. Like, nobody else matters at that point.
1: Yeah, I didn't mind either of those yeah. things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much coming from, like, the comic book reader point of view of just, like, rule of cool, like, yeah, their thing is build build another Death Star, like, build a super weapon. They, this is another version of that, and I agree, it's excessive, but for it just didn't didn't sit as badly with me, I think, as it did with well, you. I
0: know, and we've talked about how comic books have lowered your standards for realism.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would say I'd agree with Chris, and, like, when Brittany is saying, it needs to make sense, agree with you, but you're also saying it needs to make sense within the universe, and I guess what I would say is, at least to me, It does make sense within the universe. And not saying that I liked the narrative choice. I don't. Like, I really, I deeply think this series could have been, like, four to five movies, frankly, Mm. to tell this story in a different way, in a more complete way that would be fair to the the characters. The rushing of the things makes it also a little bit more whiplashy, right? The fact that, like, all of a sudden Luke's, like, grabbing things with the force and all the rest of that, I think because it all happens in one movie, it's a lot to take in
0: it makes sense within the world as in, oh, maybe Jedi ghosts could do this. I'm not saying that is outside the realm of possibility. What I'm saying is it doesn't make narrative sense because now you have created this problem with all of these force ghosts that they are not fighting in these wars. And giving no explanation for it. So that's why it's like, by the way you're doing it, it it creates a narrative problem.
2: Maybe that's in the next Star Wars movie. (laughs) Rise of the Force Ghosts!
1: (laughs) What about other characters, either character arcs or character representation that you saw uh, or wanted to see in the movie?
0: So, yeah, like you talked about that Rose was written out. I just have to say that was bullshit. And I will edit out my profanity because say, I mean to say tag. it. I'm <laughs> editing it out. I'm going to extra work, but it needed to be said. Can you make it R two D two whistle like <laughs> that was?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will try to do that because we all but... know
2: R two swearing the whole oh, time. Oh for sure, a
0: hundred percent. But yeah, that was just bullshit. For me, so disappointing. It's just you are stooping to being controlled by racist, misogynists, and you're okay with it.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's inexcusable that they diminished her role so much, and that the few things that she did do on screen were things completely out of her wheelhouse. Like now, she's a battle commander helping, you know, fin out on the top of this Star Destroyer instead of like actually looking at schematics.
0: And then they try to add in two other female characters that you don't get to spend any time with that you're supposed to care about. Who is the second?
1: So we had Jana and then we had Poe's oh, friend. Poe's friend. Like Bliss, I think. That
0: was only in there to be like, oh look, Poe's not gay. Like, yeah. That was that was T- her purpose. To be fair, I right? forgot
2: about her because like R- Rose, while wonderful, was also like he's not gay character
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah
2: what did you guys think of leia
0: i would like to argue that what they did with leia was anti-feminist and i understand that they were working with limited footage but the only important thing she does in this movie is call her son because apparently that's the most important thing for this movie war general to do, even if it's going to kill her. Long distance force calling apparently kills people now. That's a new thing. And then it goes back, and it's like, oh, she was actually this really great Jedi in her training, but she gave up her lightsaber to have Luke save it for her son. Leia would never give up her weapon. And then the same thing with Rey. Like, it's great that she is a strong female character, but in the end, she needs a man to save her.
2: I'm not a lady. So, I'm not gonna argue about if it's anti feminist (laughs) or not. Like, so I agree with you on the Ray and the Kylo Ren stuff and Mm. everything that comes from that. With the General Leia thing, I have like a lot of complex feelings. You have this actress who is now dead, and so like you only have so much to do with her. I didn't want her to not be in the movie, that would have been really sad. You know, I mean, like, because two years have passed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and she died in a fire. You know, they could have written anything. And as a person, just wasn't ready to see that part of the story be done. I was thankful for every minute that we had. When we're looking at the choices that she made, like, I'm going to give up my lightsaber because my son's life is at risk. I think that when we look at feminism, a lot of times, because we are righting wrongs kind of framework where women are constantly being portrayed as mothers and as weaker than and as you know I mean and not in control then we lean to wanting to see the women always be the warriors etc you know what I mean? and i'm not saying that that's bad but i felt in that moment that princess leia was a lot like my mother in the sense that my mom would make that sacrifice and so if someone came to my mom and said like hey, by you being a Jedi, your lightsaber will bring your son's death. My mom would say, cool, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I want my son to live. I think it allows Leia to move out of the place where they put Finn in, right? It's like Finn and Leia are very similar to me in the sense that they both end their trilogy arcs where they have the force and they have feelings, but they don't ever like wield lightsabers and they're not warriors in that kind of respect.
0: Like, if you want to do something that talks about sacrifices that mothers make, that's fine, but not in, not when we're talking about warfare and how characters are valued for their skills and something that is so just thrown in there for some prophecy that nobody's ever heard of before until, like, they happen to have this lightsaber.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the way that it, it turned out has a lot of patriarchal elements to it. Where I do see... At least some interesting elements are when I see Leia's choice in regards to her death reflecting Luke and Darth Vader. We have a parent and child relationship where one is trying to bring the other to the light. And there's a sacrifice there and a belief in someone who others might see as irredeemable. While those kinds of beliefs can certainly be problematic... And obviously there's a gendered component to Leia and Kylo's that there wasn't with Luke and Anakin's. I just think it's interesting seeing her as harnessing the benefits of both Luke's belief and and desire to bring out the good in his family with Vader's sacrifice. Um, which I just think is an interesting kind of yeah a, a reflection that I can see in in that with so little footage of her available. I I get the feeling that they wanted to do something with her death that would be meaningful and that this was the thing that they saw as most meaningful. It definitely isn't a decision I would make. There's so much more that should have been done or could have been done with Leia. Well, uh, Aaron, you mentioned earlier how how Finn is a kind of a a very bright spot for you. I was wondering what you think about him being Force-sensitive.
2: I mean, so I've had the—I've been the vice president of the Finnish Force Sensitive Fan Club since, <laughs> <laughs> since the Force Awakens. I—I I, I think that it kind of follows the Princess Leia arc. Unfortunately, we find out in Return of the Jedi. Oh, you have a sister, and like now she has force powers, mm. but like she doesn't get to be a jedi mm. you know what i'm saying because the focus is on luke and luke is the only one who can save the world unless he dies which he won't but if he did then like you know you have this backup there thing. is another yeah mm-hmm. and that was what happened with finn and i think that that's one of the meta textual things where like what happened on the outside affected what happened on in the movie mm. so they're, they're so far have been, like, very few black characters in Star Wars, right? So you have Lando Calrissian, which is super awesome, but he was the only black guy in the universe for a while. Mm-hmm. And then you have Mace Windu, and you're like, cool, like, he's this Jedi, but you don't, you know, get to see very much of him. So the idea of Finn being one of the main characters was just super exciting, and I think it was kind of the same way how I think a lot of people felt about Rey, like, like one of the women being one of, like, the main characters.
0: Unfortunately... Oh, there are women Jedi? We didn't know before. Exactly. No, that's
2: what I'm saying. So, like, I think there was, like, an excitement there. Unfortunately, there was just a lot of backlash. They had disabled comments on YouTube for the trailer because so many people were literally using slurs to describe John Boyega. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. And I feel like it just bled into the storytelling. There were, like, many opportunities where I think one of the things that I just felt like was just super missed was I felt that like Finn should have led like this rebellion of the stormtroopers, mm. you know what I'm yeah, saying that it's would like have been like he was while. like he was famous, and like the thing is like I really liked the idea of Finn being that charismatic leader who actually inspires people mm. across the galaxy to resist uh, and then like you know, this battle happening where the resistance is fighting and then there's fighting on the inside yeah. you know what I mean like kind of thing, and mm. that's being led and inspired by. FN1227 or what, you know, like there's like, I wanted Finn to be centered in that way. And Mm. he was not centered in that way, which was disappointing. But I was glad that he was Force sensitive because I felt like I was being gaslighted. Mm. So it was exciting to see that be a thing. That is why I liked uh, The Rise of Skywalker is because the narrative arc was able to bring him back into some kind of focus. It wasn't like, it was not a perfect movie, but it definitely... Brought him back from being a C list character to being at least a B list character. In the beginning, the way how it was kind of built was that, like, he and Daisy were like co lead. As the movie shifted, I think that Kylo Ren became that co lead role, which was a choice.
0: <laughs> which, I mean, I, I find interesting, honestly. Like, I think you need to have compelling villains, or else I'm just not super interested in stories in general mm. and i think that uh kylo ryan is a compelling villain and i think there's not that many things i liked about this movie but i did enjoy some of the things that they did with this character i was like Ugh, if he just last scene turns good and dies then like i'm gonna be so annoyed and he it wasn't last scene it was like part way through the movie And I appreciated that because it's not just the exact same beats as the original trilogy. So that was interesting. I mean, I think the force died thing can be interesting if they actually explained anything about it. But ultimately, I was disappointed that he just died because when a character just dies, they don't take any responsibility for the actions that they've taken. So he
2: was going to go to jail in your alternate movie, right? Like, I'm, he I, didn't die. Like, no, I don't
0: know. Because he was like he
2: was a genocidal maniac that but... No,
0: he has some problems, and I'm not gonna And either. then he also led the group that like
2: blew up seven planets. So like he's
0: not a good guy. But I'm saying like there is no consequences for actions. People talk about like a redemption arc. There is no redemption, redemption arc. arc if you die at the end. Because yeah, you don't have to face what you've done. If you're truly remorseful for it, you have to sit with everything you've done you have to try to make restitution in any ways that you can you like you you're never going to undo what you did and you have to live the rest of your life that way but to just kill the character at the end means that none of that happens it stops that narrative and it means that yeah there just there were no consequences in the end and i think Star Wars has done that before and Star Wars did not need to do that again because it's a much more powerful story when someone has to figure out now what to do if they really are repenting and they really want to turn away from terrible things that they've done and terrible patterns that they've been a part of.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Before I'd seen the movie, I'd heard a great episode of the podcast, Imaginary Worlds, that talked about villains and, and redemption, and they specifically talked about, like, what would redemption look like for Kylo? And I I think that a redemptive act can be narratively fulfilling, especially at the end of an arc, but when it comes down to compelling stories and especially compelling stories that can relate to humanity redemption typically doesn't end with your death with a sacrifice it's an ongoing thing that's difficult and is day to day and that is something that could have been very interesting to see in a film like this again like you said particularly because we've already seen this kind of sacrificial redemption in the past and if they'd gone a different way with it i i definitely would have been very interested in In seeing what that could have been, I don't necessarily have faith that they would have done what I would have liked to see, but it's something that I would find more compelling than than another sacrifice.
0: Yeah.
2: Was there anything you liked about the movie?
0: I loved when you saw Wedge, that Wedge (laughs) Antilles, that was like one of my favorite moments.
1: The Jedi voices I thought was really fun. That was it, cool. Frankly, yeah. didn't make a lot of sense for like Ray's character yeah. being like, <laughs> yeah. "I am all the Jedi now." I didn't necessarily buy that, but I did love hearing like Ahsoka and mm. a lot of voices that are not actually just from the movies, but yep. have a bit more fan service. I wish there was a little more of that. I would have loved to have heard Hera's voice from Rebels as one of the pilots in the last battle. Her
2: ship is actually in this movie too,
1: and in Rogue One, yeah, 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 yeah. but you. I, I just yeah. would have loved to hear something more. Just affirm that she is there or that there's other characters that we can kind of care about.
0: I like the the little droid. Dio. Dio.
1: Yeah, it was very Mo from Wally.
0: From Wally. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know. I was just like, this is a great lesson for little children
2: in consent. He was like, yeah, and no, I like that. Totally. And
1: I think that, you know, the idea of. Talking about trauma in droids is also really interesting, too, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. in opening up the way that we think about droids in, in, you know, go back to our personhood in Star Wars episode.
0: or agency. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I I mean, I liked the, the, the treasure hunt. I thought that it wasn't awful. I thought that there was, like, some interesting stuff there. Again, it felt kind of misplaced, but... Same, same reason I, I like the Mandalorian, certainly more than Brittany does, is like just like playing around mm-hmm. in the sandbox of the galaxy of Star Wars is fun to me. And seeing like other kinds of shenanigans that people can get up to there is cool. But with its racing time clock, it just felt kind of separated from the urgency that this mission was supposed to have to kind of really be enjoying seeing these other cultures and things like that in the galaxy.
2: What but- about you? My favorite parts were, I think I really loved when they laid the ship and then like Poe and Ray are fighting because I was like, yes, this is the like the friendship that I've been waiting for. (laughs) It's like, what did you do my ship? What did you do my droid? Like there was just like the familiarity that I just was like craving. I just like really wanted that to happen. My other favorite part was just, I, I really liked Babu Freak thought that was really fun. So did did most of the internet, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny. I really like Bubba Freak. And I really liked how Oscar Isaac hugged Finn in that very... MLM way, and that very men-loving men way. See, was, that was, that was
0: the, the thing. Don't you feel gaslighted? No, I knew that wasn't going to
2: happen. So, like, the thing is, is, like, you know, J.J. Abrams and all these other people, like, when, this is the multinational corporation conversation, mm. right? And so the thing is, is that, like, if you're going to make any money, then you have to sell it in, like, global audiences. And right now, global audiences are like, ah, oh, we're homophobic. Whether that's true or not, but that's, like, what the excuse is. So then, like, the companies go like, well, we can't have gay people. So, like, there's a KISS between the pilot and Oh the yeah,
0: which is insulting to me. It's like, we don't have them as actual characters who do anything, but we'll just throw in this kiss and be like, we're progressive. And they cut it out
2: for all the global markets. So it's like cut out. That like little kiss mm. is cut out. So it's not seen if you like watch it outside of like the United States or like England. That mm. cut, is cut. So like unfortunately as a queer person, you know that you don't exist and like you're only a side character and you can't like be a main character and you can't like you know, whatever. So that was sad and disappointing, but like I don't know, it was also Oscar Isaac can play a man that likes men really well. <laughs> I was like, I feel the chemistry, man. I believe me, I have lots of straight friends. I know how men hug other men. That is not how. <laughs> That's not how straight men hug. So and you know, if you actually read some of the the Star Wars books, there's like the, it's called Resistance Rising. Oh, wow, that writer. Thank you very much, ma'am, for all of your amazing writing because the sparks are flying off the pages on that one between Finn and Poe. Um, and yeah, and they kind of live forever in our hearts, like off screen. And hopefully one day we'll be able to see movies that like are sci-fi franchises where people can just fall in love and it's not a thing. Yeah. It's becoming harder to watch these big franchises yeah. because unfortunately the big franchises are not able to be movies on their own. As much as I love these big franchises and think they're a lot of fun, if you're looking for storytelling, sometimes yeah. you might want to just go for a smaller movie or like a one-parter movie yeah, or exactly. even just books where like you will have this this story that like is a story on its own whereas this is a huge piece of trying to make money for theme parks and yeah. Cool. All right. Before we go, I have my question. Uh Okay. All right. What's your question? You are now a magical space wizard Jedi. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay.
2: Okay. But you don't have a last name. Which Star Wars character throughout all of the history, whatever, which last name do you take?
1: Hmm. Kenobi.
2: Kenobi. Chris Kenobi. It's an alliteration. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Like it, like it, like it. Why, is there a reason, or are you just like, yeah, he's cool?
1: I mean, like, he's not necessarily the character who I like admire most, but he's the character who I probably feel myself most like connected to. I think he's a character who has a general kind of positive demeanor, but who also takes things seriously when he needs to. You know, I think that his kind of lighthearted nature, but his sitting on the Jedi Council and being someone who has to do hard things... Speaks to me in some interesting ways.
2: I like it. Okay, mm-hmm. Brittany. Have you taken it?
0: I would either be just Brittany or I would go with Tano because Ahsoka is awesome.
1: That's true. Yes. That'd be cool.
0: That's pretty cool. I like it. I would be Aaron Amadala.
1: Yeah, you would. Mm.
2: Yeah, like Padme is badass. Also, it'd be a great excuse to wear lots of really cool clothes while I say. I was out. gonna
0: say also <laughs>
1: The robes budget. Is... You
0: live in a place that's a monarchy. Yeah, you know? It's really great. So yeah,
2: I would be I would be Aaron Amadala. So yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. cool.
1: What if Ray at the end was all like, I don't have a family. I'm just Ray. Or perhaps I'm Ray Solo.
0: Oh, no.
1: Because <laughs> that's how he got it, right?
2: I just heard the c- cry of a thousand <laughs> deaths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, on that note, we probably should wrap up this episode. <laughs>
0: Sounds good.
1: Thank you again so much, Aaron, for joining us. It was yes. so great having you. I had a blast. Uh, where can people find you?
2: Uh, yeah, so I am on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. M-R Neuropolitan. That's N-E-U-R-O-P-O-L-I-T-A-N. Because it's neuroscience and cosmopolitan in one word. I thought I was cool when I made that. <laughs> um,
1: cool. Definitely follow Aaron. He's got all sorts of fun things online um, and is certainly one of the smartest and most engaged people I know. Thank Um, you.
2: That's so kind.
1: Well, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. Next week, we'll be back to our regular format, going back to Harry Potter and looking at death in Harry Potter. You can find links to all of our social media in the show notes, or you can go to our website at bit.ly slash Geek the Lines. If you want to join our wonderful patrons, you can go to patreon.com slash Geek Lines. We also want to thank Kimberly Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find all of her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. And until next week, geek out! Geek out.